Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back, everybody. Time again for another Word Balloon podcast. This is John Suntress. Great conversation today. We got Rick Remender talking about 7-2 Eternity, but a lot of his other books as well. Uh, Rick, of course, uh, we've known him for a long time, uh, going back to... Uh, Last Christmas, and certainly uh, books like Fear Agent and Nightmare and Sea of Red, and uh, we, we you know we spend a little uh, time reminiscing because it's been eleven years since I started talking to Rick Remender, and uh, I'm I'm really excited about these new projects like Seven to Eternity, his new book with uh, Jerome Pena, but uh, we also talk about Low and Deadly Class and so many of the other books, and I really feel like Rick. Given his time at Marvel Comics, is uh, one of those great creators who uh, did his time at the Big Two and is very content now to uh, do his own thing and has uh, successfully brought his audience uh, from his Marvel books to uh, the new experiences and uh, is reaping the benefits from it. Has top-notch uh, artists that he constantly works with and uh, is, is doing fresh original concepts uh, like the books that I've already mentioned. This is a great chance to talk to a guy who understands the market and makes it work for him as a creator-owned guy. So it's a pleasure to talk to Rick and get his point of view on his books and the current comic market, the continuing discussion that we have here on Word Balloon. It's all brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your support via subscriptions to Patreon. It's not necessary, but it helps uh, pay for the equipment, get me to conventions, make connections, and uh, bring you uh, fresh new uh, artists and writers and other pop culture people to Word Balloon each week. Uh, It's been a hell of a September, and uh, a lot of it has to do with the uh, thanks to the League of Word Balloon listeners uh, who help keep the lights on. Word Balloon is free, but if you want to help the cause and think what I do here is, uh, you know, worth uh, you uh, contributing, uh, even a dollar a month is, is greatly appreciated, or even the price of a comic book, say $3, when you consider the hours of entertainment that uh, me and the guests try to uh, provide each uh, episode here at Word Balloon. If you're interested in subscribing to Word Balloon, go to wordballoon.com. You can click on the Patreon ad. That will take you to patreon.com and my Word Balloon page there. If you can spare the money, I certainly do appreciate it. And uh, we've got new subscribers that have just joined this month. And as a thank you, I'm uh, trying to provide uh, episodes and interviews uh, first to Patreon subscribers. They'll eventually wind up on the feed. But case in point, Cincy Comic Con, really five great hours of uh, panel discussions with the 100 Bullets team, uh, a great solo Brian Azzarello conversation, a great Marty Pasco conversation, uh, a great... uh, Group of uh, creator-owned comic uh, creators talking about uh, creator-owned comic creators. How you doing, everybody? Talking about uh, their views and uh, how they get uh, their works out to the market. And we're talking about really smart people like uh, Ryan Brown, Jim Rugg, and Sarah Dyer. And, uh, you know, like I said, Marty Pasco and Brian Azzarello, Dave Johnson, Eduardo Riso, Dennis Hopeless, Jason Latour, very fun conversations at Cincy Comic Con. The Word Balloon Patreon subscribers will be getting them first. 
Uh, but thank you very much for that support. League of Word Balloon listeners. And I've already started. I've got Marty Pasco posted as we're speaking and uh, more panels coming up before the end of the month. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com, where there are great deals happening right now at InStock Trades. Things like the Doctor Strange Omnibus with an Alex Ross cover. What a great idea and uh, what a great deal. Uh, it's uh, 50% off. It's just $37.50. Great run of Doctor Strange in that omnibus. Uh, you can get the Captain America epic collection, including the works of uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, uh, uh, also representing things like uh, the first appearance of the Falcon, uh, Jim Steranko's amazing run, uh, also uh, Gene Colan early on doing incredible work uh, on uh, Cap and the Falcon. Uh, 50% off, it's just $19.99. You can also get Fables, Deluxe Edition, uh, the hardcover volume 13 with uh, Bill Willingham and Mark Buckingham doing what they did best. That incredible run is uh, collected in hardcovers now, 50% off, $14.99. You can also get Velvet, volume 3, The Man Who Sold the World, Ed Brubaker, Steve Epting. What a tremendous series this is. And uh, great to finally get Volume 3, 42% off, $8.69. You know something, as uh, we uh, close, I'm going to give you some great deals on some Rick Remender books at the end of the show. So uh, listen for those uh, deals. Or while you're listening to this interview, go over to InStockTrades.com and check out the great deals and great prices waiting for you. InStockTrades.com. All right, without further ado, let us uh, begin our conversation with Rick Remender. It's happy to welcome him back. And uh, it's always fun. And, you know, Rick is one of those guys, kind of like a Matt Fraction, that, I don't know, the guy always makes me laugh. And uh, not just with his concepts, but really just our conversation. So it was uh, really great a couple weeks ago to finally uh, catch up with Rick and see what's going on. Here's Rick Remender now on Word Balloon. Despite uh, technology conspiring against us, we've managed to make a connection. And uh, I'm, I'm talking down the lane to uh, Rick Remender. Hi, Rick. What's happening, John? Welcome back. Well, how many years has it been now? It, it, it's we're cl- we're closing in on a year now. We did do Cincy Comic Con. Oh yes, and I do and I do count that. I I, I count it as well. All right, good deal. And honestly, you did reach out in January, and I'm like, yes, but we never did from a date, so I do apologize. Talked, but I'm here. We 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 flirted with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I miss you. And seriously, man, you're kicking ass, and I'm very proud of you because I knew you when way back kind when... of. When I was a whippersnapper, when I was a it's true. man full of hopes and dreams, and I had a, a posture and, and vigor. <laughs> and we, we'd talk about, you know, Sea of Red and Nightmare and Fear Agent. And... Going back 11 years, John, talking about... I know, man. 11 I know. So well, We're not getting any younger. Well, that's the thing, man. No, you you know, that's you you were doing that stuff, and I was just getting started with Word Balloon, and Last Christmas and Fear Agent tickled me, and... You know, here we are. And seriously, you are the man of high concepts, honestly, and such varied concepts. Great sci-fi, deadly class is crazy shit on its own. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really, you know, low, low is literally up and down, no pun intended. Um, and, and then I don't mean that in a critical way. I mean that in terms of what you're doing with the, those poor characters as they rise to the surface. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not easy. It's not easy. But... And black science, man, crazy lost in space, mixed with fear agent. Yeah, yeah, with a little, with a little sliders sprinkled in there, and a little. Uh, I'll take that. Yeah, you know all the 
a little quantum leap on top, and then uh, dip it into um, a Mobius milkshake. Yeah. See, now I'm, now I'm into all those references. I was telling Ricky, uh, trying to get my uh, technology together, was like Flight of the Phoenix, Jimmy Stewart movie, and I got, I got the, uh, yeah, what? yeah, okay, John. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that movie. But that's okay. I'm a Philistine. No, you're not a Philistine. You're a product of your era. God bless you, son. I, it's all good. You just threw out a bunch of great I am nothing else. I am a product of my era. But yeah. I basically, yeah, I am. I couldn't be more stuck in the 80s. There's, there's... No, you're not stuck. Well, you, well, I guess in Deadly Classes case, but yeah. but it's fun. I mean, it comes out good and everything. Do you want to? St- I want to start with though with the new book, Seven to Eternity. Yes, yes. Uh, reteaming with the with the, the the beast who is known as Jerome Pena. Man, wonderful fear agent work. Wonderful, uh, you know, uncanny uh, X, whatever the fuck it was. X Force. It was X Force. Yes, that's right. See, hey, see, I'm not good with my X Men, but you know, again, you guys deliver. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. How dare dare you, John? I don't do that. Seriously, I am. I'm embarrassed by – because honestly, they always get great writers and artists for the X-Men books, and I'm just – you know, It's not your thing. It isn't my thing, but I truly did. I I read – you know, I I read a good – you know, almost two dozen of uh, Uncanny X-Force. I forget how long it went. Only about twenty-four issues or so. It was a yeah. I think we went at thirty-four. Was the thirty-four? Yeah. Which which given the way that all the reboots happen, was it was a pretty spectacularly long run. Given how uh, how things go these days, you know, honestly, Rick, if you don't mind, real fast, because it's kind of a hot topic right now. The the cancellation of of uh, Nighthawk from uh, Dave Walker and great book, but you've faced that kind of immediate cancelization. Doctor Voodoo loved Doctor Voodoo, dude. I was one of the you know, however many thousand were buying the thing. Um, it, what can you tell us as someone who's kind of gone through that? I, I, I mean, it, it's I I find it interesting. The response has been from people we know, like Brian Bennett. Well, you got to pre-order, and I remember you saying that about Doctor Voodoo back in the day. Sure. Well, you know, what's interesting is back in the day, Doctor Voodoo's numbers would be considered, you know, a mid-level hit. Right now, there you go. This was back in two thousand and eight, eight or nine, I think. Yeah, yeah. When he was the Sorcerer Supreme, and, we, and and I had turned him into the Sorcerer Supreme in a two in my first Marvel work, which was an issue of What If, called uh, What If uh, um, um, the Age of Apocalypse, and in that uh, I liked the idea that that Brother Voodoo, who always intrigued me, you know, um, me that, that Jericho Drum became Sorcerer Supreme, and so I did it in this, and then. Um, when I had learned that they were going to be doing it in the uh, in the actual six one six, I I I pitched on it and uh, Tom liked it, and man, I couldn't have been more excited. I wrote twenty issues of outline for that thing that that uh, unfortunately we didn't get to, but you know, I mean, it's the hard realities of the way the, the industry is. Not everything is going to stick. Um, and did it hurt? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I wished that we had been able to. Uh, you know, uh, if they had given it 10, 15 issues, who knows? But back then it was anything under 20 pretty much got cut, you know, cut at the neck. Sure. And now you look, you know, and, and Marvel and DC both have plenty of it, co- comics under 20. But once you're under 20, you're pretty uh, – the, the, the traditional thinking is you're on your way to, to the bad zone. Um, and, you know, look, it comes down to numbers. I don't think it comes down to a lack of desire. I think that, you know, 
Um, I know I know Axel really well, and I I know what he wants is a, is a diverse line of comic books that have a lot of different different um, uh, ideas and, and is representative not just in the comics but in the the human beings that make the comics. Um, and you know, David's got all kinds of stuff going on there. So absolutely, you know, you win some, you lose some. I I, I won some, I lost some. You know, that's that's Marvel. The fans are are fickle. You know, speaking of voodoo, uh, voodoo is a hit book. You know. Um, you cannot you cannot predict it, nor can you guarantee it. I'm hip, and I'm, and that's I think the thing that needs to be remembered. And also, like you said, they cancel Doctor Voodoo, but then you know you find a hit with Uncanny X Force, and granted, it only went th- you know thirty four issues, but like you said, I mean for a Marvel run, that's pretty well, goddamn yeah. good in these well, days my, with all the reboots. Thirty four was yeah. I mean by that point, I was moving on to Uncanny Avengers and Cap and just right. The band yes, anyway. but the um. I've always been. I, I saw. I was talking to uh, Robert Kirkman and Brubaker about this the other day, and um, I sell way more trades than singles. I always have. I think maybe I do write for trades, so maybe my fans kind of clued into that. Um, so the the trade numbers on on Kenny X Force were just you know phenomenal. So there was this, mm-hmm. this you know groundswell. It was a, a, a huge hit for us. But I think that the um, the Doctor Voodoo could have been the same had I been able to to get it to issue ten fifteen, but unfortunately, business affairs on that you know they're gonna they've got a, they've got a cutoff point where they have to uh, they have to they have to shut these things down. Um, yeah, and that's the difference between a Marvel or a creator owned. You know the kind of numbers that they were selling on that to shut it down. You know we can do that on a creator owned book and live happily, and then sell a truckload of trades, which. It's interesting because, you know, Image has sort of become Vertigo, how Vertigo was in the 90s where you just, you know, everybody was selling 15,000 copies of their comics. But then they'd talk to you about like, oh, my God, it's all about the trade paperbacks. Yep. Um, and now, now that's Image. The trade numbers are, you know, ridiculous. But anyway, yeah, so, No, that's great, man. Honestly. And um, you're cool with uh, the price points and everything that, you know, Image lays out first, you know, first trade nine ninety nine and. The rest of you know fourteen ninety nine. I was we were one of the first trades to do it uh, back in the day with Sea of Red, and it worked out real well on that book. Um, I've always thought it was a smart business move. Look, I mean, I'm up against a guy coming into a shop who has to choose between um, Deadly Class or an X Men book or whatever the hell else you know is sure. stand around it. So um, we're up against uh, you know. If you can get them in and you got a quality product, um, then you're you're golden. And the getting them in, that's what the price point is there for. It's to say, hey, and in our case, on most all of these trades, we've we've packed them full of six, seven issues worth of content for ten bucks. Yep. yep. And the idea is like, look, we're losing money here for sure. Like Deadly Class, I think it's hundred and sixty something pages of comic book. For wow, that first the first trade. That's fantastic. For nine ninety nine. But you know, it's Jesus. it's it's you're this is a cutthroat thing and you're really hoping to hook people and it worked you know the trade numbers have been they've just been phenomenal we just got the hardcover numbers in today and and that thing is selling gangbusters um and i think that that's all in i think that all builds i don't think it builds out of the singles and i could be wrong i think it builds out of those 9.99 trades i think you're right man no i really do and i think it's like you say it's been happening long enough now and with enough great creators doing these amazing books that, no, there's a, enough of the retailer audience gets it. 
I don't know, you know, you, you, you get the book, uh, the bookstore numbers and I imagine it, you know, sells equally as well. And that's the great news is now you've got, uh, strength in, uh, Amazon and, and the various, you know, whatever's left of the book chains beyond Barnes and Noble and books a million or wherever your books land. There's uh, actually outside of Amazon, there's still some, some real big numbers moving. I, I think that, good. I, I think that, um, people want their books and people want their vinyl and people want like, we all digital, yeah. and then we spent a few years with it and realized it's not the same. You know, I got rid of my LPs and my CDs, and I went, <laughs> I went totally digital. I got rid of my DVD collection, and and man, I wish I didn't. I like tactile things. I like a library of of my my music and my comics, and I think people are are doing that because the numbers that I'm seeing, like Tokyo Ghost Volume Two, we just got our numbers, and okay, the 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 um. I mean, they're 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 crazy. It's a crazy world now. So, uh, <laughs> you're selling, but you're selling, you know, eight thousand copies to comic book stores, which back in the day, you know, you would have been. <laughs> I don't even know how to process what that would have been like. But you're also selling eight thousand to the Amazon and the bookstores and the and the and the, and the book market, and that's not Fantastic. even including digital, which is its own beast entirely. That's excellent, man. Well, and also, you're really smart because beyond the trades and the hardcovers then you get into the deluxe hardcovers and the omnibuses and you know you you know you know what you're doing and it's i you know do you how do you sense that like when i mean obviously you've done it for for you know certain books and everything and i don't know is that the plan for all the books or do you really kind of look at your audience and or even canvas your audience and say who wants this i I'm very fortunate in that I work with artists that that deserve that that prestige format, and um, so I think that what I've always looked at is you know all of my horror work from 2004, five, and six, and seven is, uh -huh. was collected in a giant hardcover, uh, the Crawl Space hardcover. Mm -hmm. um, Strange Girl, we did a hardcover and it sold out, and then we did a soft cover and it's almost sold out. So maybe we'll do an oversized hardcover next. We did one for Last Days of American Crime. Um, deadly class, black science, fear agent. I think that um, really it comes down to the books that are selling, which it, at this point in time, because of the wonderful resurgence and, and interest in creator-owned comics is all of them. That we That's can, great. That we can, you know, like deadly class, we printed, I think 6,000 of those oversized hardcovers and, and it's been a month and we've sold half the print run. You, nice. You, you, you know, um, <laughs> So there's, and, you know, the, 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 the thinking now is also that there's a different market for that stuff. That the people buying those oversized hardcovers are an entirely different audience than the people buying the trades, than the people buying the singles. The, the, the thinking is now that we've got three different subsets of audiences of people. So I don't know if that's right or not, but that's, that's the sort of traditional thinking. Do you think, uh, you know, I mean, that's the thing. You've been doing this for, you've been doing this for 11 years or this is like the real stuff that you consider like, you know, okay, this is when I knew what I was doing. Well, I started making comics in 97 with Captain Dingleberry. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then that went to slave labor. I always forget that. Go on. Yeah. My, 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 my love letter to Frank Zappa. Um, and then that wrapped. And then at that, we went to slave labor graphics and then, um, then I did Blackheart Billy and Dawn Creature, and yes. then I went back off and you know started inking the Avengers and penciling Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and penciling that Bruce Campbell book and penciling Last Christmas. Well, you know, so it was it was jumping all around. You know, we did a, right. we did an oversized hardcover for Last Christmas uh, last year, 
Um, yeah, I saw that. Absolutely. And, and so most of the, these things we're, we're, we're putting in that format and they're selling to whole new groups of, of people. Um, you know, it's a dream come true. So in terms of what I, you know, I started doing creative work in 97 and now, you know, almost 20, Jesus, that's 20 years, isn't it? <laughs> there you go. Nice. Old man rivers. <laughs> It's true. It's uh, no, it's good, man. And this is the th this was the dream. I mean, that's the thing. You, I, you are the model of I think the new path in terms of doing your own thing, doing it well enough that you graduate to. You know, you had a couple DC books, but you know, DC and Marvel, and certainly made your big splash in Marvel, and now get to take your audience with you and continue to succeed. I mean, that's the new path now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that what's interesting is there's a lot of people who are finding that uh, finding success with the creator on without with, without going to Marvel or DC. There's True. Uh, there's there's whole new swaths of human beings that have come in, male and female now. And you know, is it is it, it it's like it's a collection from you know people from the Walking Dead to the Marvel films to this pop culture phenomenon that doesn't seem to be you know slowing down. Um, you know, look at the look at the cons now how, versus how they were ten years ago. You know, it's it's a, it's an it's an incredibly varied group of people as opposed to you know ten twelve years ago it was it wasn't um, true. And I think and but and I think that it's just it's just getting bigger. Um, you know, maybe that's just hopeful thinking. No, I think you're right though. I really do, and I think especially pointing out too that yeah, you don't need uh, DC or Marvel to necessarily be part of the path. And there is this new audience too that's coming in, and I and I always say this now with the current DC and Marvel people, where it's like, yeah, the the twenty something that's walking in, they could give two shits about what Spider Man did during the Clone Saga. They don't care. They they're here they're here because, like you said, Walking Dead or some of these other, or they came into a con with Walking Dead, found some other uh, you know things that they liked either on Artist Alley or at a publisher's you know table or something like that. And we are really looking at a new audience that the big two don't matter. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I, I think that there are always going to be an entry point, and you're always going to have kids gravitating sure. towards those recognizable characters. But now we've got such a a vibrant and and healthy um, um, next step, you know, for when you're when you hit 19 and and maybe the superhero books aren't tickling you as they once were, uh, you know, maybe and and maybe as as they're not intended to. Um, that there's just a wealth of material now that you can yep. that you can graduate into, um, and or still do both. You know, there's plenty of great work being done at Marvel and DC. As well. Absolutely, I mean, it's a, it Absolutely. really is. It's a golden age. It's it really is. It's crazy because I really you know I, I was excited when you guys were starting to happen ten or eleven years ago, and I'm like, oh, isn't this great? Look at the amount of variety in genres and 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 stories and and you know points of view. And now even more so. I mean, it's a hundredfold from where we were ten years ago. It really is. It really is. Because it, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. No, you're right. It's a you're right. It's it's a vertigo world, but it's you know now it's an image world. <laughs> so it's it's very interesting. And are you at all? I mean, I don't know what kind of relationship or if it, you know if they've even approached you. Uh, Aftershock seems to be a new imprint that's certainly getting a lot of attention, and I think honestly putting out a good product as well. And I don't know if if uh, you've been interested in that at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, Mike. Mike uh, extended a hand, and and um, you know, the 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 thing for me at this point is, 
uh, Image, you know, was my home from 2004 until uh, sure. 2009, 10, you know, or 2008 when we moved the moved to Dark Horse. Fear Engine to Dark Horse, and I worked there yeah. for a little while. And coming back to Image uh, in 2012 when I did, or 13, I can't remember, but whatever. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Is it, it, it felt it's been um it's been a nice homecoming you know um cool. i've always believed in stevenson and to see what he's done and the tenacity that he's exhibited and the success of what they've grown here um you know i'm in a position where i'm able to literally sit uh, you know in my house and and write anything i want and uh team up with great artists and we share ownership 50/50 and we bring in great colorists and i've got my editor sebastian gerner and i've got you know image is this wonderful infrastructure where um it's it's a dream come true i'm able to provide for my family and do what i was doing 20 years ago the thing i quit 20th century fox to try and do is now reality yeah. and i i i don't want to take i don't want to give all the credit to stevenson um you know and and but uh, i have to give a lot of it to him i think that that, that he's he's a smart guy and and he and he really stuck to it and fought this thing out cuz he's so passionate about it and it it opened up a lot of opportunities for every single creator in comic books that's cool and would you say that uh beyond the loyalty and and uh, and again the fact that he is willing to accept your ideas pretty readily and stuff is is it the best deal for you you know in terms of financially and stuff to stick where you're at rather than doing something for somebody else i've worked for almost every other company yeah there's not, <laughs> there's not a deal that comes within a mile of image um and look i mean it comes down to this i'm not in a, I, I have no like this is going to sound completely cheese dick but my employers are my audience and as long as people are buying the book then image takes a percentage of that which is a very fair uh, percentage for what they provide, and the rest of it comes to us. Yep. That's it. And so if I've got an audience and those people want to buy my books and they're enjoying them and, and we work very hard to try to provide you know, quality comical books, um, then you're, it's unfiltered. Image is basically direct access to my audience. Um, and as long as I have that audience, that's my – those are those, the, you know, those are my employee employers, and I'm with you. Uh, an image provides that in a way where, that, as somebody who's you know, fairly anti-authoritarian and, and doesn't doesn't, <laughs> it works well for my personality type. I understand. I understand. Yeah, you know, I heard a, an interview you did earlier this year about Low, and you kind of mentioned that you know you were kind of. In a in a depressed state and everything. How you doing? I'm I'm great now. Uh, when I started Good. when I started low, I mean that's the crazy thing about comic books is, by the time you get enough material out where people could sit down and like binge three trade paperbacks, um, they're reading material, <clears throat> and I, I, that was a story I wrote in 2012. So, what's crazy about it is, is that you know, four years, your life can change pretty drastically. Sure. And so, when I was in therapy, and, and when I was, you know, I was in for about two and a half years and dealing with all that, low was a place that I was sort of taking all of those lessons and, and kind of morphing them into, um, you know, finding analogies and ways to kind of make stories with them. And it, it was a wonderful exercise. Um, and I realized, so I wrote the the fifteen issues that are out now. 
I wrote, <laughs> I wrote that outline in 2012-2013, and then uh, we started it in 2013. Same year, we started Tokyo Ghost and Black Science and Deadly Class. It was a mm-hmm. very busy year. Yeah, man. Um, but uh, the next arc is going to be a lot different because I'm, uh, you know, I'm in a much happier, better place these days. So it doesn't. I don't know. I don't really have a lot of that same that same angst or processing of ascending from a low depth uh, to 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 you know uh, bleed into those pages anymore. But it's good. You know, that's the fun of the books is that the tonality can change and shift, and the stories like life can evolve and, and change. Very cool, man. I, uh, I well, let's talk about Seven from Eternity first. Yeah, let's. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. Let's do it. Well, Seven to Eternity is a book that uh, Jerome and I have been developing for, uh, you know, we've been talking about it for, for years. Um, and the idea, you know, we would look at the InCal or you would look at any Mobius work and, or, you know, Jodorowsky, and you would see this sort of what, what appeared to be part intention and part freeform imagination. And, um, boy, it just seemed like fun. It just seemed like that's how you would make comic books. And we really wanted to do that. And so, um, of course, it can never be that simple. And, and as we developed it, we, we came up with the, this world called Zal and all of these strange fantasy elements. But then I think that the secret to doing any of this kind of world building is you always want to get a stage that excites you and allows for really exciting opportunities visually and story-wise. And then you want to you want to you want to go small and find a character with a very relatable story in that world, and uh, the character in Seven to Eternity is Adam Ostadis, and he is uh, he's a gentleman who is trapped between a rock and a hard place as he is forced to uh, go confront the uh, the God of Whispers who uh, has taken over the land. And against the wishes of his father, who has recently uh, uh, perished, and for the sake of providing and protecting his family, he might have to make a compromise that his father died not to make. Um, and so one of the things that, that I dug into when I was building this story, and, and you know, m- much like there, there's a lot being said in something like Lord of the Rings, um, but it's still a small story. It's still a story about a small, a, a, a small cast of hum, you know, or hobbits and a withered. Um, <laughs> but it's still, it's still a small story in terms of character and heart and relatability. Um, and in the, the same way, when I, when I was at that point in the story, I hit upon a really uh, interesting concept, which is just compromise. And as I started writing down, I do these little writing exercises, and I started writing down, you know, daily compromises, compromises of the last few years, compromises in the last ten years, and compromise really started to it enthralled me as a concept because it's the heart of choice in a lot of cases. You know, most choices end up being a compromise, mm-hmm. and it defines character. Uh, and and you know, if you continue to lean into a choice to smoke cigarettes, um, then, 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 you know, that'll have its consequences. Or if you continue to be a a womanizer or if you continue to be a workaholic, you know, like all of these various things. And, 
I like the what's behind those choices is the reason that you're doing it, and a lot of the time that's that's a compromise. Um, I smoke because I'm on a diet and I don't want to eat a cheeseburger. Okay, okay, well, that's a compromise. I mean, but anyway, so that's I'm with you. The, the beating heart of what's underneath all of this is this this idea. Uh, we've got a number of of interesting choices ahead for our character, and. Um, He'll be defined as well as the world around him shaped by the degree to which he'll compromise. And so, uh, without giving away too much, that was kind of the was kind of the inspiration. It seems like a lot of your concepts are like that—that that you start with the big stage and then try to find the individual story. Is that the case? Um, yeah. I mean, thinking about it, um, yeah. Low was that way. Low, I kind of had the stage first. Um, Black science, yeah, you know, dimension traveling, being hurtled through dimensions. Mm -hmm. Fear agent wasn't. Fear agent was Tony and I built this character. He did a design, and then I started writing about who he was. Uh, and then I think that's I think the outline for Fear Agent came sort of after the character. Anyway, but yeah, some yeah. But Last Days of American Crime again, kind of that's the societies that came first, maybe the macro. The yep, yep, the the the. the the end of crime in America was the, the concept, and then you start going, okay, well, what crime's going to be over? What's the most interesting part of that? And you come up with a, a you know an old grifter who's on his last leg, who's got one one you know one last chance to pull off a heist of a lifetime, and then you 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 know I invented Graham Brick, and yeah yeah I hadn't I don't think I ever really I don't I don't think I was aware of it, but yeah I think I do probably start world um, and then boil into character. Okay, well, you know, and that's but that's part of why I love you, man. I mean, truly, that's that's some of the fun is the the environments that you first create, and then you give us the human story. You know, that obviously is the center. So, well, yeah, and it's 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 it's, uh, it's clearly something I, I like doing because I, I it seems like I do it in every one of these books. And you find the right artists for these things too. And uh, you know, again, great to great to hear you and Jerome are back. Uh, that's that's terrific. Is this an ongoing or a finite series? Uh, right now, we've got about 13 issues or so uh, outlined for this first story. Um, the thing about a level of art uh, that, that Jerome produces, and coupled with the you know painted beauty of Matt Hollingsworth, we've got you know two of the very best you know uh, artists of all yeah. time in comic books working together on this, and the pages are are just ridiculous. And Jerome doesn't cut a single corner. So, um, in terms of of uh, that first story. I think that right now I'm I'm not I'm not writing out past that we have we, we've already cooked up ideas for three years four years worth of story, um, but in terms of committing it to, to writing it I'm doing it much like Tokyo Ghost it'll be longer than Tokyo Ghost this first story, and then um, you know we know the next chapter so it really just comes down to like you know it'll it'll take us a year and a half to get through the story we've got. And at that point, uh, if we're still thrilled and tickled, then we'll keep going. But, um, I, I, I would imagine that we would, especially hearing the sort of enthusiasm from, from Jerome when we talk about these other ideas we've got. That's cool. Well, and also I wonder, because I, I it seems to me that you always have a good sense of when to stop. I try to, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to drag it into the ground. I mean, it can be difficult sometimes because you fall in love with the characters. Uh, sure. Well, I just and I think everyone I think a bunch of the I shouldn't say everyone, but a bunch of the image creators are trying to figure out 
Uh, that's the thing. I mean, everyone got spoiled with the old Vertigo template of 100 bullets or 70 issues of Scout. And it's like, I don't know if because of the ridiculously good, diverse uh, comic book world, I don't know if these stories can you make it that long. Yeah. Every every one of them. Because, again, it's like, well, what's shiny and new? And and stuff that was shiny and new and still is very good just doesn't seem as shiny and new next to the brand new thing. That's interesting. And I think that's a problem. Um, yeah. Because people yeah. want long-form stories. But you're right. Um so something like, um, you know, like Low or, or, or Black Science, fortunately, they sell incredibly well in trades. But the singles went from wherever they opened, you know, 40,000 copies and drifted down to where they're at like 15,000, 16,000 now. Okay. Which is still very healthy. And in terms of sure. their own, we're all doing fine on that. Um, but we've done our best to ship those as close to clockwork as we can. Um, you know, the line of books that we've been putting out we we are we are on point. We didn't drift. We didn't disappear for eight months. We've been keeping them coming out, but the attrition. You know, very few books escape the attrition. Every one of the image books, the you know the most from the most beloved to the the sort of um, um, obscure, they're all seeing the same attrition, and it's it is a difficult balancing act because ultimately people want when they get invested they want long form like. I did, you know, and I know that a lot of the fans I talk to, if the, their first question at the show is, how long will this go? Yeah. And, and I get it because it's like, you know, <laughs> people who love Deadly Class or love Low, they'll go, how long? And I go, well, we've got, you know, we've got 32 issues of Low outlined and, you know, uh, I could do more or, you know, that's, it's a great ending. Um, it, it, it might be an ending. I've got ideas for more after that. But, you know, like the elephant there, you know, the reality is, is how, what are the singles going to be down to when we're uh, another 17 issues ahead of where we're at right now? Um, sure. And, you know, it is the new shiny thing because everybody jumps over to the new number one. But um, I don't know. I don't know what the solution to that is. But it's definitely the attrition is something that we're all seeing. Fortunately, the trades balance more than balance it out because the people mm -hmm. who want that long form are also... Uh, very willing to, to support the trade paperbacks. You know, it's not on their shoulders to deal with the harsh reality, which is if people don't buy the singles, well, we don't get to make the trades. Right. So it's 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 a very difficult balancing act. It's it's a very difficult balancing act. Yeah. I you know yeah like I said I mean I'm I'm it's kind of a circular question that I've been asking all of you uh, because you're all kind of hitting those you know, past 30 point and certain books and stuff. And it's just like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I like I said, I mean, I, I feel like uh, Celia Norton even, uh, you know, as great as Revival is and stuff like that. It's like, uh, you know, they're getting to 50 and it's like, yeah, you know, it's time. And they know it's time too. Yeah. And I think that like, look, the market is going to dictate that. One thing that we've discussed. So like for black science, we have that outlined up to issue 40 right now. Um, okay. And we're going to get to it. We're going to at least get to 40. Um, you know, if, if the singles attrition, if people want the long form and they want those, those trades, you know, you can't put it on the reader to make it their responsibility. So one of the things we've discussed is getting ready for, we only get paid on the trades every six months. Okay. So that makes it a little bit difficult in terms of, you know, scheduling your life and your money when you only get a paycheck sure. every six months. <laughs> um, fortunately the singles still make us, you know, more than our Marvel rates. Um, but Great. If the attrition continues, um, 
we've all got uh, just like we did on Fear Agent. Fear Agent, the attrition went down. It was I think the last issue sold thirty two hundred copies. Basically, okay. if, you can, if you can find a copy of Fear Agent thirty two, you know you you found you found uh, uh, the rarest variant ever. <laughs> <laughs> But we had made our minds up to finish the story, and we knew that eventually the paycheck might be two years from now when we put out the hardcovers, but we'll get there. Um, and I think that that's the kind of long-term thinking that's mandatory to keep these going because, you know, let's say that the numbers on Black Science are low uh, or Deadly Class start dipping into, like, the nine, eight thousands. That's going to make it really tight. That means we're no longer making even our Marvel DC rates. Um, but the trade paperback is so healthy that, I think that what we've done is, in talking to Matteo last week and Tokini and, and Wes and, and Jerome, we're all just going to structure this in a way where we can get to the point that at least we're outlined to. And that's another year, two years of work on some of these books. Okay. But everybody understands that if the attrition continues, we're going to have to, to balance right. it to where, you know, like live on your trade, live on the trade money. And, uh, you know, creator owns not for everybody. There's not a check. I don't finish a script. I'm, you know, I wrote Tokyo Ghost number one in 2013, and I didn't get paid on it until, um, you know, November, December of, of 2015. Um, it takes a lot of planning in advance and working on things that you're not going to get a paycheck for for a long time. But, you know, now that we're up and running on, on enough of them and have the trades coming in, we can we can all stay healthy. And that's you know are you are you're content with the balance of introducing the new stuff and and maintaining the old stuff and everything? I I wonder did because wasn't there before the last Fear Agent arc? And I know it took a while to finish the last Fear, Fear Agent arc as well. But um, you guys kind of took a break, didn't you? Like after Dark Horse and maybe because of people like myself that were keep constantly asking you, hey, you gonna ever get back to Fear Agent? Or, you know, we're gonna see a wrap up? And you're like, yeah, eventually. I mean, do you, do you, do you maybe see that as a possibility with some of these stories currently? Um, I would prefer not to because- Sure. <laughs> you know, um, obviously there was a year between, one, you know, and, and Tony and I went off and we did Frankencastle and Venom. Right. And we were having a blast doing that stuff. And, and let's face it, Fear Agent just wasn't making anybody any money. Um, uh, that's not, I don't see the numbers going down to the point where we're at crucial zone. So um, the idea, unless there's some kind of seismic shift and people just stop reading the single issues, um, the idea right now is, uh, you know, Lowe's got an outline that goes to 32, Black Science is going to 40 at least, Deadly Class, uh, you know, I don't, I just can't see ending it. If I have to tie Black Science. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, you know, and with the TV show in development, and now we've got big news, you know, like that ball moved further down the field last month. Um, Excellent. So, you know, we've got Sony and we've got the Russo brothers and we've got Adam Targum from Banshee and Outcast, And now we've got another big piece coming up that we can announce soon. Um, but not just because of the TV show, but that book I could just write forever. So really that's going to come down to when Wes is finally like, all right, dude, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that we could imagine, you know, there'd be 40 or 50 issues of Dudley Class. Um, and, you know, this Seven to Eternity that we're building is all, Jerome and I, I have an, a Bible that, that we could do, you know, 50, 60 comic books with. So it, it, a lot of it does come down to the single uh, issue orders and your, and, and your ability to schedule things where you're, you're not um, 
you're not beholden to those and you can live on the trades. And so if that means, um, anyway, the long and to answer your question, I, I, I do not see us retreating to, uh, to do Marvel and DC work and, and pausing the books out. We'll, we'll fight out to the end and keep the book shipping for the fans that are supporting it. That's cool. Okay. Well, you mentioned deadly class. Um, I, uh, what, uh, what is the status of uh, the media stuff? I mean, it has it found, has it found a platform yet? It it has yes we, we you can't, you can't announce it yet we or cannot we are we are, okay. we are looking at some very cool things happening um, and so we you know I've been working with uh, my co-writer Miles Feldslot on the uh, on the outline for the pilot and uh, we just got the notes back from the Russo brothers and Sony and did some rewrites and so it's uh, it's in motion you know like. Um, I tell everybody the way I understand it is most networks will uh, pick up and develop about 20 ideas a season. Uh, and then of those 20, I guess about four or five they'll order pilots for. And then of those four or five pilots, about one or two get a series order. Sure. So even where we're at, you know, um, we've still got one in 10, one in 10 odds of, of seeing a series come. But, man, going through the hurdles we've gone through to be at a point where we're looking at one in 10 odds – with the kind of team we've got in place, um, I'm hoping that if we knock the pilot out of the park, that that we'll at least get a pilot order out of it. Yeah, it sounds like a great lineup so of talent. Uh, Russo Brothers, for people who don't recognize right away, the Captain America movies speak for themselves. And you can see from an action standpoint and even, uh, you know, some of the strategies and stuff, a, a kinship to a Deadly Class. So that makes sense. Um, I... Uh, that's great, man. I, I know. And also, I only think if for whatever reasons it doesn't work, God forbid this time, because like you said, I do think it's those are they sound like the stars are aligned correctly. Um, it seems to me that the more you write it and the more you show the legs that the concept can have of this hitman high school and moving on to the next class and stuff, that's, you know, this is, you know, Friday Night Lights meets, you know, Wise Guy or The Sopranos or something. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's interesting. Um Joe Russo brought up the Friday Night Life aspect of it is something that we're moving towards one of the one of the storylines. I think that that look, um, I, I'm biased. Shit, I love it. It's <laughs> it's, it's everything I want to see in a show, and um, and it's an authentic snapshot of the you know the era I grew up in, yep. and the kind of absolutely the kind of teenage existence I experience. So. For me, it's it's just you know obviously I would love to see it translated, but uh, yeah, we we have a great team, and you know Joe and Anthony's background doing shows like Arrested Development and Community help out with the cast and the and the comedy aspects and the action obviously coming you know and 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 uh, from their Captain America and their Marvel work, um, you know, and as producers, their notes are great and they've been they've been you know they've been wonderful, so. Yeah, you know, at this point, I'm not popping a cork. It's 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 good good and far down the field, <clears throat> and we got one in ten odds of getting it through a goal. That's awesome, man. Well, you let me catch up through 21. Where is the book on the stands right now? Um, so 22 will ship, I believe, uh, the third week of September. So it'll come out. Oh God, we're coming up. Coming up, yeah, and that's wow. The, the the fun of that was sort of emulating the X Men when the new class would come in and that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, that's cool. So Wes Wes designed a bunch of characters, and uh, uh, I took the characters and started writing backgrounds for them, and then he would sort of tweak them. Uh, it was a very organic development, and um, 
it's been a lot of fun to throw a new group of characters into this same into this same piranha tank with you know the reader now knowing uh, just how just how uh, uh, how hardcore this place can be. Well, I think he shocked a lot of people with uh, the fates of uh, Saya and Marcus, definitely. So, well, there's there's more of that to come. I think that of course there's a lot of uh, yeah, it's fun. I mean, uh, the 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 balancing act on this is that I have all of these stories that I wanted to tell from when I was uh, a misguided youth. Um, and then, you know, just trying to pepper that stuff into an actual narrative and let myself kind of drift in and out of the sort of slice of life and then drift back into the overarching plots and things. Um, but it, it was an experiment. I, I really thought this would be the book that would, you know, nobody would want. I knew Wes is one of the, you know, most underrated, brilliant artists in comic books and that he would, he would be beloved. But given the, the strange soup I was making, I didn't know it would find an audience, but... <laughs> I'd say that the that the audience for Deadly Class is is as passionate, if not more, than the Fear Agent audience. You know, I'd say that those are the two things that that have the most like fervent, passionate audience of the things I've made. Well, it doesn't surprise me, and we got I think we got about fifteen years apart from each other. I forget something like that. I think well, I mean, I was in college when you I think you know or really ending college, where where I think you've got Deadly Class and everything. And as you say, this was your high school years, so even an old person like me can relate to it. Nice. <laughs> Hopefully not. You can't relate to it too much, John. No, no, no. I, you know, <laughs> I remember. I remember vaguely. Back when John but, uh, was selling angel dust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little more extreme, but uh, the aesthetic is there. I like it. I uh, no, I, I mean, I, I like really the Friday Night Lights thing. Really did hit me reading this in terms of especially knowing that you're moving on to the next. The next grade, although, as you say, unanswered questions like, for instance, whatever the hell Saya, you know, whispers into Marcus's ear. I, dude, I swear I had that digitally. You gave it to me digitally. And I was expanding that panel so hard trying to read that thing. And finally, I'm like, oh, no, he doesn't want me to read this. It's still a secret. But you know what? Some people <laughs> online figured it out. Really? Because I'm like, it looks like it's kind of upside down. It's, it's a little. It, it looks like gibberish, but it's not. I don't know. I, I gave Ross the actual line, and then had, he did some distortion to it, and somebody twittered at me, and uh, and and they figured it out. So uh, that's fantastic. If anybody wants to sleuth, the answer's out there. Well, clearly not for my uh, prescription, at least on my current classes. No. So <laughs> there, there, and again, my age comes through. I can't read it. I don't know. Can you can you put it out with larger type? <laughs> We'll have to do it. We'll have to do it. Now that since we're all getting so old now, we'll have to start doing that. We'll make the digital comic books have the uh, have the the 15, the fifteen point fonts, just covering the artwork with giant text. We're like, oh, that's nice. I remember my dad think, used to have to have the closed captioning on for movies, and it drove me nuts. But you know, as we get old, oh man, I start to I, I understand. Yeah, there you go, man. No, I'm telling. I think that's Superman under those letters. I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> Could be, could not be. I'm not sure. <laughs> All of a sudden, my my dad is Jack Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Uh, well, dude, this is great, honestly. And I, and I know a lot of people are very excited for Deadly Class to come back in a couple of weeks. So nice going. It's, uh, it's, it's very, very cool. And uh, people, as I'm sure you're still getting people jumping in. The trades are gangbusters, you know, and I think that that's the that's the the upshot of the fight is you get you know we're on we're on four trades and an oversized hardcover and we're working on the fifth trade right now, um, you know people like I said I, I I firmly believe you look at the binge watching on Netflix 
People want long form. They want to get into something, and once they're invested, they don't want to be taken out of it. You know, um, and I think I see that on TV, and I see that in, in people's. You know, I read somewhere that ninety percent of the music you listen to is music you've already listened to. You know, um, the introduction of the new is something that we 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 take you know baby steps towards as humans. So, you know, we've got a lot of story here to tell, and we're gonna we're gonna keep keep you know doing our very best to, to get the book out very nice man very very cool and uh what about uh, black science how are things going i i uh, uh there's now there's two different families the family of low and the family in uh, black science yeah and they're 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 they're, they're fairly different um sure you know, um <clears throat> And I'm exploring sort of different things in them. Black Science is entering a, a period that um, the book had been going 100 miles an hour for so long that um, when I was beating up the middle part of the outline, um, there's a lot of uh, character stuff I wanted to get to. And um, it's not so much physical danger as it is, as it is um, betrayals and, you know, broken hearts and... What's coming up in the book is a lot of things that we've been setting the board for that'll be a whole lot of uh, interesting character bits. And then um, those continue to build until they explode in, in what I hope is an unexpected fashion uh, around issue uh, 26, 27. And around, around issue 20, it's 26. So around issue 26, we return to the, uh, the fast crazy but at this point, characters and dilemmas that hopefully the reader is, is a good bit more invested in. So um, Matteo and, and um, um, Marino have been, you know, hard at work. We're already working on issue 26. The book is, is you know, is, every issue is stunning. Those guys are, it's such a treat to see what they deliver. Um, and so, yeah, we've got that. We've got the Black Science sculpture coming out for Christmas, which I just saw it on your uh, Twitter feed, man. It looks fantastic. Man, what a what a nightmare that has been to put that together. Uh, How come? Uh, it's just it's a lot of work. It's a lot more work than I thought. I, I want a sculpture, and uh, um, a fan had done a really wonderful uh, 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 3D model that we used, and we, we we bought it off of him, and then getting it prepped to actually make it and then getting it made and getting the colors right and the paints and getting the, the facial expression right and designing the box and, and dealing with the price point. We got to a point where um, in order to sell this thing at a reasonable price, and it's two characters intertwined, it's intricate as hell. It's like, you know, 14 inches tall. Um, it's the first cover, isn't it? It is. It's the trade cut. It's the yeah. first trade paperback. Yeah. And we, we realized in order to make any kind of profit, we were being told that, that sculptures like this go for 250 bucks. And um, we rolled it around and decided that, um, you know, we're only making 500 of them and um, we're just going to charge 150 bucks for it. And if we sell all 500, we break even, basically. Uh, okay. It's, it's not a great business plan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What happened to the publishing master, man? Wait a minute. Yeah. It doesn't translate to statues. Apparently apparently, not. Yeah. apparently it was statues. <laughs> I go, well, you know, I just didn't, I, it just felt like 150 bucks for, for this thing is, is, is a completely fair price and that will blow them out this way. And the fans who are, who have been supporting the book and are so passionate about it, they can get their hands on one of these things and have it in their office or their room. 
Um, whereas like doing it for 200 or 250 and then there's ways you can do variants and charge more for collectors. And I was like, you know, fuck all that. We're making 500 of them. There's they're, 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 they're limited. They're numbered. Um, they're beautiful. I just got the final prototype back today and, and, and met with Nate, the guy helping me put this all together. And is it Nate Powell or uh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I thought Nate Powell was a statue guy, but he probably isn't. No, no, it's a different Nate. He's this, this Nate is with a company called uh, squid Inc. Uh, 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 it's Nate Mitchell and he's with, he has a company called uh, squid, Ki squid kids Inc. Okay. And, um, okay. they just, he just, uh, worked with, um, Skybound and Brian K. Vaughn to make the Lion Cat statue. Oh, that's great. And so he's, I've been working with him and, um, and putting this thing together and we're to the home stretch now. So I'm very excited to get that out. And, um, you know, any fan listening, make sure you pre-order it because they're going to, they're going to go quick. Uh, but then the idea is if, if we can do this and, and the next time maybe not make it quite as expensive, uh, I can make them for Deadly Class and Low and Tokyo Ghost and Seven to Eternity, and we can make a, a line of a line of sculptures. That's fantastic, man. That's really great. No, it, it's gorgeous. It's on uh, Rick. He's got it pinned currently uh, to his uh, Twitter feed. Yep. So uh, right there for you uh, at at Remender, if you will. If you will. So. It's it's great, man. No, I was I was really impressed, and that's cool that you're making it reasonable and everything. Because that's that's the thing, you know. I as a, as a regular consumer, I walk in and it's wow, that's a great statue, four hundred bucks. All right, right. <laughs> and I walk away. And you, now, now that I've done it, I know why that costs so much. And the fact that this is two characters that are so and the you know, and Mateo's costume design is so intricate, and it's two characters intertwined, standing on a giant rock structure. And you see now how it's all put together and the work that goes into making that work. And boy, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot. So um, the next ones we do will not be quite as difficult. We'll pick images. For Deadly Class, I think we'll do something that will probably use the first cover of the comic with Marcus and Saya back to back. And we'll find cool things that are quite so difficult to make. But um, yeah, man, it's, 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 a lot of, it's, it's been very gratifying, even though it's been hard work, to see the thing come together. That's very cool. And Lo, um, you, you just wrapped up the uh, the third arc? We just wrapped up the third arc, and Greg is taking a break to do some shows. He basically locked himself away for two years to make these 15 issues. Um, Greg pours a lot of time into those pages. And so uh, he was like, I need a little time to go out and see the world. And I was like, yes. <laughs> go, do go, my son. Um, but he's been hard at work on issue 16, which, uh, which uh, he... Uh, he and I co-wrote together, um, <clears throat> and it, it's a standalone story that takes us back into the world and sets some new pieces up. And then uh, we'll be off to the races. So I think that we'll relaunch on that in January or February. We'll be back with the fourth arc. Um, okay. And then um, and the tone changes, and there's some new characters, and you know. Um, I'm excited to finally get to some of these ideas that have been percolating on this thing since 2013 when I was working on that first outline. Um, the, it's crazy because you write an outline in a month and then, and then you work on the outline for five years <laughs> and, sure. and they, those ideas just sit there, you know, and you, you, you know, they're kind of gnawing at you like, Oh, I was going to say you get anxious. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I, I it shows, I, I, I'm like a, a, a an eager child. If people are talking to me and fans want to talk about the story, 
it, it's like I'll start popping off with like, okay, and then it's your 17, you know, that character's going to this. And they're like, dude, I don't want to know that. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but I, it's killing me. I got to tell someone. got to tell. Danny can only take so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Danny. She had no idea what she was getting herself into, marrying me. <laughs> 12 years of hearing this this nerd drone on about his stories and then this is gonna happen and no one's gonna expect this and then the blah 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 it's just god can we please just go out tonight and do something normal <laughs> do you ever think about doing um each uh arc as its own new number one through five or six or however long it takes i think it's a cheat i mean i don't know like, really um I understand. I get that. I can appreciate that. But by the same token, there's nothing more frustrating I, I, that, you know, if, if you, you trade things and you trade them with the subtitle of the arc, then everyone understands yeah. what, you know, the, the pace of a story. I mean, it's it's more of a big two problem. Um, the amount of I mean, they abuse the obviously the every every number one. But if they did it where, you know, they did it more like in the Dark Horse model where each each arc, you know, does a one through five and then onto the next story. I just think it's easier just from a, you know, understanding where, you know, where to start and where to finish standpoint too. It is until you get into a situation where Hellboy had been going on for eight years and you didn't know what order to read the trades in because they, you know, or, or, uh, or the BPRD stuff wasn't numbered. And it, it just, for me, it, it's like, there's nothing quite as simple as like, if you see low number 18 and it, it, it and it's exciting and you think you want to buy low, and we gave you 170 pages or something in a 99 <laughs> in a 999 graphic. True. Go read the Absolutely. first trade and start. It's like because you know honestly, we really do create these books, and this is something that we we kind of said going back to when when we were doing um, figuring out how to pitch these books back in the early days that when we were at Image in 2004 and five, they're very much like HBO series um, in that. They are they are stories that connect to stories and, and, and move forward and they have a beginning and a middle and an end. Um, and so I guess renumbering, you know, black science, you know, every five or six issues, you're gonna get a bump on issue one, but I don't really know if I'm gonna be able to give you a a clean entry point every time I do that for one. So it might say number one, and I might sell an extra five, ten thousand copies. Um, but that entry point might not actually be feasible to, 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 to be honorable to a reader and say this is actually a place you can start the story. It's like, you know, would you start The Wire in, in season three? Uh, I hear you. Yeah, okay. No, I'm not comparing my books to The Wire. I'm just... <laughs> no, I get what you're saying, though, from a, from a basic story standpoint. From a format sure. standpoint, it, it, yeah. it's just always seemed... It seems like, look, it's, it's much cleaner and easier. And, you know, I think what happened... You know... There's been plenty of books when I was an avid reader where um, I would miss the book till it was on issue 15, and then I'd hear so much about it that I'd go buy the first trade, the second trade, the third trade, and then I'd be caught up and I'd start buying singles. Um, and I think that uh, I don't know, I, I might, it might be my own OCD. <laughs> no, I honestly I do get what you're saying and everything. It makes sense. Um, well, tell me about Tokyo Ghost. I know you guys are stopping at 10. And I've only seen the headline, so I really haven't really delved into the story of why. So tell me why. Well, that that, that first story was always intended to be ten issues. Um, we knew for we knew Sean had ten issues in him, um, 
And then the idea was to bring somebody else in and keep it going. So I've got the okay. story written, and I've even got a couple of artists in mind. Um, but I guess when I wrapped it, I just I, I needed a break. Um, you know, I, I, I Sean Sean was going to you know carry on and do covers, and we were going to just keep the thing going. And I got a great artist if I wanted to keep it going. Um, but it felt like I hit a I hit a, a nice landing point, and. As we were getting to that, look, I mean, there were long, long conversations with Sean and I trying to figure out, you know, if, if and when to, to relaunch and to, you know, come out with the next issue. And I think what we decided is just for right now that um, we're going to give it a, we're going to, the ending is, we feel very, like, we feel like we stuck a landing. We told a beginning and a middle and an end of a story. Uh, we're very proud of the work. We're going to put out an oversized hardcover next year. And around that time, I'll revisit if I'm if I'm still itching to get back to Debbie's story um, as, as she heads out into the, uh, the, the the tech-free Americas. Very cool. Yeah, I you know I uh, I was I was wondering, and I like I said I saw I, and I know that you guys obviously ten issues over as you say three years. I mean, you know, you start developing one of these things. We started developing it in 2013. Um, and we really got to work in 14, um, and then it, it, it came out in 15. Oh, okay. It's only been a year. Forgive me. And so the first half, it started September of 15, but you know, I mean, look, Sean put so much into those pages. They're, they're, oh, yeah. um, you have to get that kind of a ramp up when you, when you have that kind of artwork, you have to give the artist plenty of lead time. So I had written the first issue, I think, in the summer of uh, 2014, after Sean and I had been literally developing it for a year. Um, but the good news about that is, is that you've got such a huge, a huge wealth of ideas, and you know the characters in the world so well that when you get into writing it, you're not going in blind and kind of doing guesswork. You you already know it all, and now it's just to pick the story and, and tell it. Very cool. Is there are there any other uh, projects? Beyond Deadly Class that are in any sort of media development currently? There are, yeah. Nothing, uh, nothing that's to a point that I can talk about. Uh, okay. You know, we've got some, some stuff happening with Black Science that we're working on there. And um, Nightmare has some stuff that we're working on. And Great. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. And then uh, Fear Agent has some, you know. Still? Uh, I'm, still, I'm going to knock on wood. But there has been some really great news in the last couple of weeks on that. Uh, Oh, awesome, man! For a couple of weeks, I guess a couple of months, but anyway, you know how okay. you know how these things go. Uh, I do, and I should ask you, uh, and certainly I'm sure it was sad. Although the man lived an incredible life, uh, we've talked about it before. Your invo- your guy's involvement with Jack Davis, yeah. your agent, and the fact that he did a variant cover, <laughs> which is pretty f- amazingly fantastic. Dude. Uh, but yeah, you know, I I have to say, and, and and from a very selfish standpoint, I didn't realize Jack Davis and I shared a birthday. So that was kind of cool because, unfortunately, it was me and Britney Spears, and I wasn't really crazy about yeah, that. Yeah, Jack Davis is better. <laughs> I kind of think so, man. My God, I just heard Al Jaffe on uh, Gilbert Gottfried's podcast, uh-huh. and uh, he, they were they were talking about Jack actually, and it was you know a few months ago that they recorded it. Um, but yeah, what a what a life, what a career, oh. and be uh, beyond Mad Magazine, such an important part of pop culture in a lot of ways, from TV Guide to so many album covers and movie posters uh, and things. Yeah, I mean, just just and one of the most talented people. I mean, his artwork ranged from he could do horror, he could he could do anything, and 
satire oh, absolutely the caricatures and the, i mean he is just he is one of the best and you know what's interesting is when you talk about your love of 50s and 60s films that i've missed i worry that like you know i only knew about the ec guys i grew up with mad magazine and obviously there was plenty of jack davis there and like you said all the other various places you'd see him in pop culture um but the kids who you know uh were born after 90 and who don't have somebody to point them to the old Mad magazines and the old EC comics. And, and you know, do the Jack Davises and the Al Williamsons of the world, do they disappear? Is it just old guys, you know, like remembering them? And, and I guess at this point it would be the last for them would be Generation X. We were the last people exposed to all the Frazetta and Williamson. Yeah. And, and so my generation would be the last generation exposed to those guys. Is that it? You know, do you think that there's a I don't. I don't think so, man. You know, Rob Burnett and I were having this conversation either this summer or last summer um, because, you know, he's such a big uh, fan of uh, really old, you know, sci-fi, even going back to like the Flash Gordon stuff from the 30s and, uh, you know, Buck Rogers and the like. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, there's always like a Tarantino sort of hipster that will find this stuff and translate it to a young audience and say, no, this, these influences are cool. You need to be aware of this stuff. And I do think that they're, you know, I mean, and th that's where you guys even come in, uh, you and Tony, certainly for Fear Agent. Um, that's the thing. I, I really do think there's always a, a follow through. And thankfully, there are young creators that find these things interesting, reinterpret them uh, for themselves and then to a new audience. So, no, I think, uh, you know, as long as as long as everybody knows where the influences come from. And I think everyone is that that does that is cool enough to step back and say, Jesus, you know, you got to see the Shaw Brothers movies if you think cool, you know, today's Kung Fu movies are great. Right. Shit like that, you know. So so I really think that's kind of the deal. Yeah. Um, I, you know. I, I hope you're right. I I, I, I do. And yeah, I, I see what you're saying, you know, that, that you know, some, some kid working at a comic book shop is going to dig through and find that stuff or the old guy at the shop is going to go like, oh, you know, because that's what happened to me. I mean, I started working at a comic store in 90, uh, 92. Um, and the, um, you know, it was the heyday of the original image and Valiant was huge and everybody was, you know, obsessively collecting, you know, first appearances and nonsense. And the owner <laughs> of the shop, Blake, sat me down and he was like, you like art and you like reading, right? And I was like, yeah. He's like, do you feel satisfied with these books? And I was like, no, no, <laughs> I don't. Go on. I feel like, you know, there was a, a movement after, you know, like, there were so many great Marvel writers and there was, you know, so many great cartoonists like Frank Miller and Williamson and people who could write and draw. And then it seemed like by 92, you know, Vertigo was, was a good place to go hide and Fantagraphics had a lot of good stuff. And, um, but yeah, I was like, nah. and he goes here and he just started digging through a bunch of just ratty ass old ECs. And he's like, in, in, you know, giving me the history lessons and telling, you know, this one was written by, you know, Ray Bradbury and, just sort of walking through all that stuff. So, you know, and that definitely informed why I wanted to make Fear Agent and Black Science and, and you know, the heavy metal magazines that I sat there reading and, and the 7-Eleven uh, and heavily informed low. Uh, so anyway, yeah, you're right. That's cool. That's very cool. The, you know, um, I just had uh, Bill Shelley on who uh, I talked to him about his Otto Binder uh, biography, but he also just did one on Harvey Kurtzman. Mm. That is this like telephone book size book that I'm still plowing through. Uh, he won the Eisner for it this year. Dennis Kitchen just put out Kurtzman's uh, Trump, not to be confused with Donald Trump, 
But uh, Trump Magazine, the, the, the two issues that he did for Hugh Hefner after leaving Mad Magazine, I've never seen them before, but it's, you know, uh, I, I got the preview PDF and oh my God, I mean, if, you know, it's, it's great and it, you forget the power of Mad and Trump obviously emulating Mad, that kind of pop culture cartooning that was going on in the fifties. And that's the thing, man. I mean, God, I only remember the seventies of mad, which was still a vital mad, but not the way it was in the fifties. It wasn't, it wasn't Wally Wood and Will Elder. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the thing, man. No. And I mean, there were, there were a few of the old guys around like Dave Berg and, and certainly uh, Albert, you know, Al, uh, Al, uh, help me (laughs) forget now. Um, Oh, God damn it. The co, uh, the, the guy, unfortunately that, uh, Gaines picked over Harvey. Al, um, God bless. I can't remember. You know who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. No, once you once you couldn't remember, you made my Feldman. Yes. There you go. God, thank God. <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, yeah, Feldman was still around, and I mean, you know, certainly Don Martin and, and Sergio obviously was in his prime sure. in the seventies. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing, you know, it's it's really you go back and it's like, no, this was really slick, really smart. Well drawn, you know, humor uh, and satire. And then when they went off to Playboy to do Little Annie Fanny, I mean, exactly. Look at the yep. craft of that stuff. Will Elder and Frank Frazetta, get the fuck out of here. Nobody. Hey, amen, son. Well, you know what's interesting? I was telling, I, I you know, they kind of cop to it, but like Palmiotti and uh, and Amanda with Harley Quinn, I'm like, you guys are doing Little Annie Fanny. That's what you're doing. Oh uh, yeah, is I I, I dude, I am. So out of reading mainstream comics these days, I, I, I have not picked it up, but I'm a big fan of both well, of them. And well, and that's the thing. And I don't, and I don't say that in terms of got you and, you know, make no, sure you're paying to the estates of Elder and, and, and uh, Frazetta. Yeah, like we were clearly, you know, bathing in, in Wally Wood and, and Will Eisner's spirit and space when we made Fear Agent. Yep, absolutely. Well, that's the thing. And, that, and that's what they're doing. Harley is its own thing, but there's a through line. And, and Jimmy smiled. He knew what I was talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's the thing. I th- again, I think that's the good news is I think I think very smart people, we all get influenced by the things we consume. And then, you know, you guys take it a step further and make something new out of it. Yeah. So, uh, right. you know, right. that's that's great. Uh, I will stop being worried that these things will be. <laughs> what else? What have you been watching? What have you uh, what's if you've got time? I mean, Jesus, I know you're juggling a ton of projects, man. I just watched. um you know, that's when I when I talk about people wanting, um, um, you know, multiple volumes and to stay in something, I, I realized, like, um, I watched Narcos uh, season two this week. Oh, man, I got to catch up. Very good. Um, and it's really entertaining. Uh, yeah, it, it's 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 really, really great uh, crime stuff. And, you know, um, uh, the historical the, the historical, you know, the fact that a lot of this happened definitely helps. I like the true crime stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that the, uh, uh, the, the that model, that Netflix model, like once I'm in it, you lose. You know, it's like uh, I know that if we don't ship a comic on time, you're already asking people to wait four weeks between twenty-two page increments, right? Yep. If you yep. make it five and six weeks, you're lo- I mean, like I can barely maintain my attention span when you make when you when you dole your show out to me a week at a time. Uh, I do, I do love that we're getting away from that. You know, uh, I just, <laughs> I just watched uh, my wife and I love catastrophe on Amazon. Uh, it's one of the smartest things I've seen. Well, I haven't seen that yet. I've got Amazon Prime. Oh, it's such great writing, and and 
and and Rob. I mean, the acting, both of them. It's 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 lovely. Uh, I highly recommend it. <laughs> I love Man on, Man in the High Castle, of course. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, and I, I, like- I, I have I have not dug into that yet, so that's on my list next. Well, there you go. I mean, that's but that isn't that the problem. Rick, I mean, there's just too much good TV right now. There's too much good TV. There's too many good comics. And I also was thinking about that the other day in terms of it's not it's changed. the It's changed the way we are. We, you know, there's still the Game of Thrones where we all collectively watch it. You know, it's sort of the, the modern equivalent of what MASH was toward, you know. <laughs> sure. No, you're right. Uh, but we, we used to have we used to have as a society things that we all watched and all knew about and all had conversations about and yeah water cool shows yeah sure and and lots of them and because there was three networks and usually you know maybe three good shows like the twin peaks of it all you know the twin peaks comes yep. and, and i don't know if we're you know um i thought like well mad men but no i talk to like you know people all the time who don't even and never ever even watched mad men um never even tried it it's you know, and I found out that the average viewership was just a you know a million an episode. Like when I was watching Breaking Bad for the first season, and no, it still wasn't being watched. And I was like, Oh, Breaking Bad, have you seen it? No one was watching. And I do, you know. It, so the pro is you can kind of control your consumption when it's dumped on Netflix. Um, the con is we're not all getting it the same way. It's like, hey, did you see the George Carlin special on HBO Sunday? Uh, Don't tell me I just DVR'd it. I haven't watched it yet. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's just interesting watching how how these things, the convenience offers us so many opportunities and how we want to digest it. But beyond the convenience factor, we've also lost something in sort of the in having the thing delivered at a time where everybody saw it and then and then sort of sort of lived in a conversation about it um anyway i'm on i'm on a fucking tangent i don't know what i'm talking well but no it is it's part it is part of how this stuff is being distributed and it is interesting that alongside the binges of um, amazon and netflix and hulu we've got uh the you know still the weekly network you know schedule god what drives me nuts i don't mind waiting a week for a new show especially with the fall season pretty much upon us and stuff it's those hiatuses in mid-season. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, fuck you. All right, we're going away for six weeks. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Or when they break <laughs> a season up, you know, like that last season of Breaking Bad where it's like, yes. we're Mad Men. We're, okay, seven mo- back in seven months. Yeah, then, yeah. You know, like when, when when I meet people that haven't seen Breaking Bad and they're binging it right now and they, and they can just watch it from beginning to end, I'm like, I'm so jealous that they get immersed in this thing and, and, and stay immersed because by the time you know there's been a, a seven eight month nine ten month gap and i come back to the thing i don't remember i'm like what was going on i, <laughs> I am raising kids and writing comics i don't know yeah man no life gets in the, exactly man life gets in the way and again that's kind of why i don't mind the weekly schedule because it's like all right okay that was good and you're going to give me a minute at the beginning telling reminding me what happened last week all right that's fine I'm okay with that. Did you watch the night of the HBO thing? I did. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, yeah, I did too, man. I thought that the close was, um, I you know, I knew what they were going to do with the close. That was telegraphed, I think, a little bit. Um, um, you know, with with the, the the kid off, you know, buying the cocaine at the end, and you know, as a commentary on the fact of what the prison system is like and what it actually does to somebody who is 
you know, in it while being innocent and the cor yeah. corrupting influences and how if you want to create a criminal, there's no better way to do it. <laughs> you know, you can, yeah. you can take an innocent kid uh, and who, who, you know, got wrapped up in something and, and, and is accused of a crime and putting him through that system. What comes out the other end is going to be the exact thing you don't want on the streets, the exact thing you don't want to create in your in your culture. So it definitely left me thinking for a few days afterwards, like, what is the solution? You know, like, is it is it, yeah. is it kindness and rehabilitation? But then you're dealing with a sociopath who drowned his grandmother. Like, I, you know, I, and then you just go like, eh, I'm just going to lock the door and watch TV and stay away from people. <laughs> Good plan. Once, that's literally where my brain went after like spending days going like, what is the solution? You know, like, God, the death penalty is not right. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, nobody doesn't commit a crime out of fear of it. Um, it's immoral. And then, and then, and then, you know, it's revenge, which I understand if somebody killed my wife, I would want. Uh, and, you, you know, and then you start thinking about the prison, the prison systems are, you know, they've been privatized, they're for profit. Everything in this country is so sideways with this. We've got more people imprisoned in America than in the next, you know, 10 biggest developed countries combined. Um, why? What is the fucking problem? Why? You know, what is the violence addiction this country has? And then uh, after just pr processing that for, for a day and a half, like, uh, I just go, eh, okay, you know, it's all fucked. I just lock the door and turn on a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I totally understand. What can you do? Hopefully, somebody smarter than me is working on this. As we exactly, I'll be I'll be ordering pizza if you need me. That's, that's my goal. <laughs> that's that's where I'm at in society. I'm the guy who will. I'll give you a com a comic book to read while you eat the pizza. There you go. I provide I provide distraction from the harsh realities around you. Well, sometimes we need these things. It's all right. It's okay. You're killing me, man. That's awesome. Um, Dude, I'm I'm always happy to talk to you. I'm trying to think: is there anything we, we haven't any base we haven't covered? Uh, we haven't climbed. In terms of the current the current crop of books, I think we covered them. I've got um, I'm, it, hopefully people will go out and pick up Seven to Eternity. Um, I've made an attempt to tell a very slow story. It's um uh, uh we've been writing it for a long time and picked over it to the point where every word on the page is just cream. There's no there's no fat on it, um, but it's a slow character story that takes place in a strange fantasy world that um, I, I'm uh, we're, we're, we're tickled with making. And I can tell you, you're not going to find any better art than the uh, Jerome Pena and the Matt Hollingsworth team up there. Attaboy. That's excellent. And it starts when? Uh, I think the first issue comes out in two weeks. Excellent. Fantastic. What are you doing? Uh, are you done with uh, conventions this year? Yeah, New York invited me, and I'm regretting not going now. Um, it, it, I got really burned out, and then you know during the Marvel years when they were when I was being swarmed, it was just it was just crazy. Sure. And I just I was getting the flu, and then I was coming home, and I was a week behind work, and you know the traditional like boohoo, the cons are hard story. But the uh, so this year I I really pulled back. And just spent the time that I would have gone to cons taking my kids on vacations. Uh, Atta boy, where'd you guys go? We went to Kauai. Uh, nice. Uh, that's where Danny and I had our honeymoon. And I, I used to go there as a Boy Scout to hike the Kalalau Trail. Um, Damn. And, wow. And then while we were there, about day four, I realized I felt more human than I had felt in 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 years. I just 
finally had taken a real vacation with my kids and I was sitting on a beach with some, you know, some friends of ours went with us and I just suddenly felt like, oh my God, uh, this is what it's like not to be an anxiety riddled workaholic nightmare mess. Uh, I hadn't checked Twitter in four days. I wasn't looking at my email and I just turned to Danny and I said, uh, book another trip in four weeks. And she was like, what? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, just book book it now before I get home and then convince myself I need to work. And so we booked another trip um, a month later and went back for another another week. <laughs> wow, that's great. It was so needed. Yeah, it was so needed. So getting those two weeks with my kids and, and doing that, that family stuff was the, the cost of me not making it to conventions this year. But look, it's either going to go one of two ways, I figure. I'm going to take a little break from cons. And just keep making my comics. And when I finally crawl out from under my rock and, and, and start making it back to shows, people are going to be really excited to see me again. Or they'll have forgotten entirely. And it'll be a total <laughs> and it'll be a real blunder that'll cost my career everything. <laughs> no, no. no. One of the, I'll one be, of I think I missed you. Did you were you in San Diego? I did San Diego. Uh, yeah. I was in and out. I was uh, you know, doing some some meetings and promoting stuff. So I was only there for, for, for two, two and a half days. Okay, because I think I saw you very, very briefly from a distance, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll have to see Rick. And then, of course, you know, it's, it's, it's San Diego. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, please, I, it, literally, as you know, a dozen people like that that I, you see for five seconds, and that's the last time you see them. Yeah, and you. Uh, oh, where are you, you going to be tonight? Okay, yeah, the height. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see you there. <laughs> it's true. It's true, and you know, I did Seattle. Uh, I, I, I haven't missed Seattle since 2005, I don't think. I just wow, love that show. Uh, it is a great show. I haven't been there in a couple of years, but I love that show. Yeah. But, you know, this coming year, I think that the plan is to try and, and you know, uh, the year before that I went to Leeds and did Thought Bubble, which was one of the... Fantastic. Wow. So great. And I unfortunately had to miss Angoulême, which I had been invited to be a guest at. Um, my dad was sick. And so... Um, Missed Angoulême, missed a couple, like, uh, we sell gangbusters in Paris, in France. Uh, we sell a lot of comics through Urban. Like, a lot. That's that's great. Like, well, you know, I can see that, though. They, you know, they like their sci-fi and fantasy, but I can see Deadly Class doing really well there. They all do. And so Urban, uh, Francois Urban, is, he's, like, my second publisher. And um, he's such a, such a great guy and so thoughtful. And he has uh, tried to get us to come out and do a tour of Paris where he would set it up where we could just, you know, go around Paris for a week. And he set up Angoulême. And wow. I've missed out on – I, I, I missed out on uh, the opportunities to go to Brazil and Spain and Germany. And, and I wasn't – England, you know, I, I made Leeds happen. I, I, I was like, I'm going to go do this one. But um, that's, the difficult, that's the crazy fucking thing is that all these things that I wanted when I was young and struggling and, and building this, this, this line of books – the the whole purpose was to like I'm gonna travel and see the world, and uh, now I've got the opportunity to do that. And if I take a week away, you know, it kills me. I come back and my kids have grown a half an inch, and you know they're off in different classes and living a life. And I, it's you know you can't do it. And so um, it's more important to be here and be with them. But I'm gonna try and start breaking it up where I, I can at least do like two or three a year starting next year. That's cool. And, and dude, you're not the first family man that has said that. And I'm glad to hear that uh, because, you know, that means it's working and, you know, you're doing what you, you're doing what you should be doing. And I, that's wonderful that you're getting joy out of it. I am. So that's, yeah, you know, it's really centering. Absolutely. 
No, you're doing Ricky, you're doing good. Trust me. Thanks, John. From 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 my eleven year standpoint, I think you're doing amazing. And honestly, I'm I'm really, really glad. It, it I just honestly that class of guys that you're part of that kind of stepped away from Marvel and DC when you did and and made this step back in your case, and in some cases a lot a lot of you guys kind of your second time around with Image, this is the right time. You've got uh, that, that core audience that is willing to follow you. And, and you know, that just proves that they like you and the work that you do. It doesn't matter if it's an X-Man or, uh, you know, a Justice Leaguer or somebody like that or an Avenger. So that's that's wonderful. That means, you know, you're, you're winning the game. And that's, that's terrific because it's just freeing you guys up to really expand your concepts and, and go in directions that would be too, conf- you know, it's too confining at TC and Marvel to really explore these things. So keep it up. Well I'm done. I appreciate that. I needed, uh, I, got, I got my 11, my 11 year report card back from John and I, I <laughs> oh, it's nice. I needed to hear that, you know. Nah, it's all right, man. No, I'm, I'm, I, I'm glad to be ringside for all the good stuff that's happening. And they, seriously, man, whatever you're doing to keep your uh, creative juices flowing, keep doing it because... The proof is there in the work. You're you're going in really interesting directions. Uh, the characterizations are very deep, and uh, the concepts remain very you know uh, I think new new ideas or new spins on old ideas. So uh, you know keep it up. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. Words of wisdom from Rick Remender. Man, it was great talking to him. And uh, I'll tell you, we're not done. I know it's uh, almost the end of September, but I've still got other episodes that I've got to get out to you before the end of the week uh, here at Word Balloon. And, uh, man, I'll even I can tell you because they're in the can Uh, coming up next. We're going to be having a wonderful conversation with Jeff Lemire. Uh, Jeff is doing great work on things like Black Hammer and uh, some other wonderful books. And I really can't wait to share that conversation with you. And then also a new uh, comedy interview. And that's with uh, Tony Hendra. Now, you may not know the name, but you're going to know the guy when I start rattling off uh, the guy's credits. Uh, He was Ian Faith, uh, Spinal Tap's manager. In the film, this is Spinal Tap, the guy with the cricket bat. No sex and drugs for Ian. Uh, you know, I, I distinctly said, well, actually, that was the wife who said, I distinctly said put Spinal Tap before Puppet Show. But, uh, yeah, he uh, Tony was uh, an editor at National Lampoon, worked on the National Lampoon comedy albums, did one of the great National Lampoon comedy album uh, segments, uh, a great John Lennon parody called uh, Magical Misery Tour. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, check that out on YouTube. Just on the title alone, it's it's one of the funniest uh, things that I think the National Lampoon guys ever did on record. Uh, they are back with a brand-new uh, album, 35 years since the last National Lampoon album. And uh, Tony is a big part of that with his uh, new comedy group, The Final Edition. We're going to go into uh, details on that, a bit of uh, Tony's history, things like uh, working on Spinal Tap and working on the Lampoon Radio Hour in particular, but the guy was a wonderful editor and writer as well, and it would have to be to come up with these great comedy uh, sketches that he did. And just what happened to audio satire? Because it was such a big deal when I was somebody growing up, and it's like, what happened to this wonderful format? Um, Real great conversation with Tony Hendra coming up at the end of the week uh, from Word Balloon. We're also going to celebrate International Podcast Day, and uh, that's coming up on Friday. 
uh, and I will tell you more details on that as we move ahead. But uh, Lemire, Tony Hendra, International Podcast Day. That's how we're going to close out the month here at Word Balloon. Next week, I've got the uh, New York Comic Con. I will be flying out uh, Wednesday night to be there Thursday through Sunday. So if you're going to New York Comic Con and you see me uh, screwing around in Artist Alley or walking around on the main floor or uh, stuck in the uh, New York-like crowd uh, that shuffles very slowly from the main floor or some of the panel rooms back to Artist Alley, uh, please say hello. Let me say hello back, and thank you for listening to Word Balloon. I, I look forward to seeing everybody, both uh, both audience and creators, and uh, it's always a great time. It's just really ridiculously crowded. But I still manage to have fun, as I'm sure we all do. New York Comic Con next week, and uh, more Word Balloons coming up in the days and weeks ahead, man. People keep getting back to me and saying, John, I want to talk. Can we talk next month? And it's my pleasure to do that and bring you these conversations each week here on Word Balloon. Uh, today, uh, brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. And I want to uh, go over some uh, great Rick Remender product that is waiting for you at InStock Trades. If you want to reach back for some great Rick Remender product at InStockTrades.com, you will not be disappointed because you can get things like the Sea of Red uh, collection. You can get Volume 1 for 42% off, just $5.21. Same goes with uh, Volume 2, No Quarter for Sea of Red, 42% off, $6.95. How about uh, Strange Girl, Volume 1, Girl Afraid, 42% off, $7.53. Volume 2, Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now, uh, 42% off, $8.69. Uh, there was Dolan Creature. I remember that fine uh, Rick Remender uh, trade paperback. Volume 1, Everything Turns Gray. Uh, it is 42% off, $7.53. Let's keep going with uh, some more of this uh, classic Rick Remender product here at Word Balloon. Uh, Sorrow. That was uh, Rick, Seth Peck, and Francesco Francavilla. I remember that fine book. Uh, 42% off, $7.53. You can get uh, the days when uh, Rick was uh, writing Punisher War Journal. And uh, you can reach back and get things like uh, Volume uh, 5, which was uh, the Punisher's run during the Secret Invasion uh, period. That hardcover is 50% off. It's just $9.99. You can get his uh, uh, encounter with Jigsaw. It's uh, 18 issues. It was great. 45% off. Uh, and uh, Howard Chaikin, by the way, doing the art on this. Uh, and Matt Fraction co-writing that story. Punisher War Journal, Volume 4, Jigsaw, is only $9.34. How about Crawl Space, Trade Paperback, Volume 1, and Triple X Zombies? A great story from uh, Rick Remender, Tony Moore, and uh, Kieran Dwyer. That is 42% off, just $7.53. We got the End League. I remember that wonderful uh, series. Uh, kind of uh, the uh, superheroes in an Armageddon kind of situation. You can get uh, Volume 2 of the End League, Weathered Statues, uh, with uh, Rick and Eric Canetti and Andy McDonald, 45% off, $9.34. You can get the Sea of Red Slipcase Collection, uh, which is a great uh, pirate uh, book with a lot of horror in there as well, 42% off. Rick Remender and Kieran Dwyer again. Uh, $23.19. There's a lot of uh, Rick Remender product at InStockTrades.com that is waiting for you at great value prices. InStockTrades.com. Thanks again for listening to Word Balloon and uh, looking forward to talking to you more this week with great conversation in the Word Balloon tradition. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2016.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.